Welcome to this podcast from St. Martin's Church Gospel Oak for Sunday the 29th of March, the fifth Sunday of Lent. We have just one week to go before another Palm Sunday and the beginning of Holy Week. How we will negotiate Holy Week as a dispersed community, many of us in isolation, is yet to be seen. We are, after all, in unprecedented times, aware of the effects of coronavirus on members of our country and community, aware that for many, death is a real and present fear at this time. As is often the case, the lectionary, the reading set for each Sunday in the Church of England, steps right into this space. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 45, and tells the story of the raising of Lazarus. It is a story of triumph over death, as Jesus calls Lazarus forth from his tomb, restoring him to life. Before joining us for the reflection on this passage, you may wish to pause for a moment to read the story again in your Bible or use Aramis or Bible Gateway online. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How do you visualise it? What are the images that form in your mind when faced with the miracle of the raising of Lazarus? Do you see Lazarus emerging from the dark of the tomb? Do you, like Martha, inadvertently hold your breath, fearful of the smell that might accompany a body three days in such a place? Do you see Mary weeping inconsolably? Maybe you see those who had journeyed from Jerusalem to comfort the sisters in their mourning, staring in shock and horror. Do you see Jesus, greatly disturbed and weeping at the death of his friend? Or maybe, like any sensible person in the face of such an event, you have already run away, unable or unwilling to process what has occurred. So what would happen if today we didn't exercise that last option, the option of running away? What if we went and stood next to some of the characters in this story and tried to see what they saw? Today I invite you to do that and to see what we can discover together. Let's start with Mary. John identifies her as the woman who washed Jesus' feet and dried them with her hair. Jesus calls for her, asking her to leave the house of mourning where she has been seated, as tradition dictated. When she sees him, she falls to her knees weeping. She states what we know, what everyone in the story knows. If only Jesus had been there, Lazarus might have been saved. Her reaction to her brother's death chimes with what we know of her as a woman of compassion, and she creates a space for us to have an emotional response to death. Mary's conversation with Jesus stands in contrast to his earlier exchange with Martha. Although both express the wish that Jesus had been there earlier, it is Mary who weeps. Here she allows Jesus a space in which to grieve for his friends. Mary's tears grant permission. When we stand with Mary, we see how important it is 
to look with compassion on those who suffer. We see how vital it is to put our difficulties, our moments of despair, into Jesus' hands, for he is the one who understands rejection, fear and loneliness. And he will stand with us in our moments of grief and despair, as he stood with Mary and Martha. When we look through Martha's eyes, we see the tasks that need to be done, and who else will do them? While everyone weeps and wails, will no one see the things that need to be attended to? And who is going to state the obvious, if not practical, sober Martha? If the stone is rolled away, there will be a terrible smell. Lazarus has been three days in the tomb. His body, by custom, has not been mummified but wrapped in linen cloths. Yet Jesus reprimands Martha, drawing her away from her preoccupation with earthly things. He reminds her that she needs faith to see clearly. She must believe in order to see the glory of God, to understand the real meaning of the words he has spoken to her in verse 24, that he is the resurrection and the life. Sometimes we tell ourselves that it is kindness and practicality that prompts us to protect ourselves and others from the more painful realities of life. But maybe we need to ask ourselves a difficult question. How much, rather like Martha, am I trying to control this situation? What would happen if I had the courage and the faith to place this difficulty or tragedy into the hands of God? Sometimes when I busy myself with the tasks of the day, when I hide away from silence, when I hide away from God, I am like Martha, cleaning the house or worrying about the smell. Yes, these are laudable tasks. Yes, these are concerns. But just maybe they act as a substitute for the real work, the work of the faithful loving heart, which trusts and rests in a deep and intimate knowledge of God. And so now we look at the crowd Imagine standing amongst them. The tension must have been palpable. What was Jesus going to do? And what would be the consequences of his actions? Maybe you can hear a tantalising murmur of questions and comments, or even hear a grunt of approval when Jesus weeps. Some of the crowd remark on his love for his friend. Others seem hesitant and demonstrate how little they understand Jesus, commenting that if he could cure blindness, he could have healed his friend. For those who have journeyed from Jerusalem to be with Martha and Mary, this is the time to mourn openly. This is what is expected. Lazarus is dead. In fact, since it is now the fourth day, all hope is lost. Tradition dictated that the soul hovered over the body for three days, but on the fourth that link was irrevocably severed and the dead person's soul descended to Sheol. So the crowd weeps. They cry. They do what is expected of them. In the description of the crowd, we might see aspects of ourselves 
when our faith is weak and the path of discipleship seems unclear? How often do I succumb to the feeling that all hope is lost? How often do I pray with only a half-hearted effort? How often do I experience the dry and barren emptiness when God feels very far away? How often do I do only what is expected of me because I have forgotten the transforming love of God which banishes all despair and offers hope beyond the grave? Finally, we turn to Jesus who stands at the grave of his friend. He has been crying and he is greatly disturbed. Perhaps he is frustrated by the mourning all around him. He has loved these people, taught them in parables and performed miracles and yet they still do not seem to understand. Jesus knows that death is not the end of this story for life is within the gift of the Father and it is to him that Jesus appeals. In love, he speaks to the Father, who already knows the prayer of his heart as they are in constant communion. But he speaks it aloud, so all can hear, so that all can share in this relationship of tender love. And in love, the Father responds, his love flowing through the Son to Lazarus and the power of the Spirit. The endless circle of love between Father, Son and Spirit is now visible in the restoration of life where there was none, the restoration of hope when hope seemed lost. And Lazarus comes forth, called by name, as we are all called by name. The power of the grave is overthrown. Lazarus is called forth by Jesus, the good shepherd, who will lay down his life for the sheep. He is called forth by the lamb who will be slain for our sins and who will rise again. And in this, sin and death are overthrown. For in the end, we all stand with Lazarus, called forth by Jesus to life eternal. Unbind him and let him go, Jesus says. Lazarus is freed from the trappings of the grave, just as we are freed from the slavery of sin. The raising of Lazarus foreshadows Christ's triumphant bursting from the tomb and points us towards our awakening into life with Christ. So there is no need to run away from this story, for when we stand... In this story, we stand with Lazarus, alive, unbound, and free to praise our Maker and Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from St. Martin's Church in Gospel Oak. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday and the readings are the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 to 9a, the letter to the Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11 and the Passion Gospel reading from St. Matthew chapter 26 verse 14 to the end of chapter 27. 